The new Super Beats Heart Chews Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeatsBeets.com and save 15% with promo code DEAL. Boys do worse in school on average than girls. Boys are more likely to be disciplined, suspended, or expelled than girls, even when their behavior is similar. Those facts aren't new to you. The good news is that people are starting to pay attention and take action. Stay tuned. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink of BuildingBoys.net, and I'm Janet Allison of BoysAlive.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. Boys do worse in school on average than girls. Boys are more likely to be disciplined, suspended, or expelled than girls as early as preschool and even when the behavior is similar. They're also less likely to graduate high school, go on to college, or graduate from college. These facts likely aren't new to you. They're certainly not new to us. The good news is that people are starting to pay attention and take action. The American Psychological Association Division 51 for the Psychological Study of Men and Masculinities launched a task force on boys in school in 2020, and they are working on outlining the problem and recommending solutions. Joining us today is Christopher Reigeluth, an assistant professor in the Division of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry at Oregon Health and Science University and chair of the Boys in School Task Force. Welcome, Chris. Thanks so much. Great to be here. All right, let's go back. Let's go way back. Tell us about your experiences in school. Oh, gosh. Um, well, you know, what's what's really stands out was middle school and, you know, in my middle school brain, there aren't clear connections for this, although I, I can draw some as I think back, but not taking school seriously. And especially mm -hmm. in eighth grade, not studying and not really doing homework and getting to the end of that year. And, and at that point, I, you know, the subjects that I liked more were subjects like English and history. Boys in general are encouraged to do more sports stuff and less school stuff, but those are mm -hmm. also considered less masculine subjects. Literally, English is the language that most of us speak, and somehow mm -hmm. studying it, reading it is considered more feminine than masculine. Right. And and books are written by people of all genders. So. Uh-huh. <laughs> and That's have been unusual. for a very long time. But yes, that that is still very prevalent messaging. So you were into English and, and history. You mentioned sports. Was sports a thing for you when you were in middle school or not so much? Yeah, sports was a thing. I played soccer and I played baseball and was on teams. And okay. there was a, a, a point when I wanted to be a professional soccer player very distinctly. It was one of my earliest career ambitions. As you can see, it didn't work out, but other Darn things it. did. Um, but in, in eighth grade, I bombed. Um, mm -hmm. I didn't really study for exams and yeah, things were definitely like harder socially in some ways, which I can reflect on as helpful. But what was really uh, memorable to me and, and you know, I, I reflect on it at different times was 
like my dad specifically at the end of that year when my grades came out and I didn't fail anything, but I had, you know, maybe a B or two and like a C and a D or something very clearly said to me, I'm not disappointed that your grades aren't as good, but I can tell that you didn't, you didn't try Yeah. that your abilities are a lot better than this represents mm. and that you didn't give it a good effort. And that lesson really stood out to me. And then I, I took it into high school and I did try a lot harder. Academics and academic performance ended up being an important part of my high school experience. Um, and thankfully, something that I could lean on more than the social because the social mm -hmm. wasn't great <laughs> in high school, but the academic was there. I'd say kudos to your dad for... <laughs> not getting on his high horse and you've got to do better. I think our boys feel so much pressure, especially at that eighth grade year, because you're going into high school. Oh, and yeah. You got to, you know, get your grades up so you can go to college. And there's so much pressure in that way. So I think your dad handled that beautifully. So kudos to him. Kudos to him for sure. Yeah. And that's the time when puberty is kicking in. Like there's so much insecurity for all kids during that period. So. Mm -hmm. I want our listeners to note that Chris just told you that he didn't really do his homework. His grades dropped. He had C's. He had D's. The man now has a PhD, is a professor, and is leading a task force. So those of you who are listening and are looking at your boys going, oh my gosh, are you ever going to pull it together? Yes. The answer is yes. With our love and with our support, I mean, Chris's dad, as you just heard, he didn't hammer him and make him feel like a terrible human being because he didn't do his homework. He said, quite honestly, I'm not disappointed in the grades. I'm disappointed because I know you and you didn't try. That's a bit of a big distinction, I think, Chris. It's a big distinction. And as a child and adolescent psychologist, I run into lots of stressed out teens right, who are str yes. struggling with anxiety and depression and are feeling like a parent or parents are really coming down on them for grades, right? For the outcome first yes. and foremost, as opposed to, to the effort, right? And mm -hmm. everybody's got different strengths and different things they do well. And not every everyone is going to be a straight A student. But I think if parents can get the message that focus on performance, focus on effort, and then love and appreciate your kid for whatever comes out of that from them. Yes, you are speaking our language. <laughs> <laughs> so boys in school, my oldest, I told you before we came on air, my oldest is 25, my youngest is 17. All of these issues that we are now seeing with boys' academic performance dropping off and, and boys being... Um, disproportionately represented, let's say, in terms of discipline. All of these things have been ongoing for decades at this point. Why did it take until 2020 to start a task force looking at boys in school? The only thing I can say really in that regard or the things I can say is very late to the game. Lots of people are late to the game in this regard. And I, I can take some pride in the fact that we actually got a task force going and are really trying to build awareness for this decades long issue. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not just, you know, white boys, it's boys of color and boys from other marginalized backgrounds, right? And, and those are actually the boys who are suffering and struggling the most, right? Because they have the least access mm -hmm. to school supports and resources and, you know, deal with added factors of discrimination, et cetera. 
but this is an issue that's gone on for so long. Um, and there are lots of other issues that boys are facing. I think some of it is by virtue of, you know, coming from a privileged social group, right? And because of still living in a society that's very patriarchal with men in most of the, you know, power heavy dominant positions, the, the light doesn't get shined on boys and men for their difficulties and issues and mental health struggles the way that it needs to. And, and those things can get overlooked and have been overlooked one, now for a long time. I know one thing that I have found, and this is true, I'm sure, throughout our society, the people who are actively raising boys very quickly become acutely aware of these issues. But if you are not involved in raising a boy, if you are not, you know, boys aren't part of your social life or your family life or your professional life, you look around and you go, well, I mean, guys are doing just fine because we see a lot of men still in positions of power. And if you are not in schools and not dealing with young boys, you don't see what their reality is today. Yeah. And and specifically white boys and, and specifically white boys from more resources in that regard. You look around and yeah, you do see them in those positions of power. And right, the guy code, which I've written about a lot, doesn't want there to be acknowledgement that boys suffer or that boys yeah. feel vulnerability and that boys have weaknesses and insecurities, even though everyone does. Yeah. Can't be a human without mm -hmm. that. And Jen, as you said, you know, parents get this. Educators, I will say, still don't get it. I was a teacher in the mid-90s, so I got my my teaching degree in the late 80s. And no one talked about how different boys would be in the classroom than girls. There was no conversation about that at all. And I've given many talks and I always ask when I'm working with teachers, like, how ha, did you have any training in this, anything in your university degree? And I would say maybe two or three hands go up and that's it. I think mm -hmm. we're still not talking about this in a clear way with our educators. So then they go into schools and the problem just recycles. Oh, these boys, they're too, you know, let's get him tested for ADHD because he can't sit still. We're still in that cycle. I'm curious what your view is. Are we getting out of that with educators? I think steps are being slowly taken in, in a better direction. And I think educators are becoming more aware of some of these, you know, specific gender-based issues and issues that, you know, do face boys in this regard. But there haven't been like close to enough efforts in terms of trainings and awareness building for teachers. And how do you uh, intervene effectively with boys and also kids of other genders, right? Yes. When they're having difficulties. And there's a really, you know, important research that's been established on boys and uh, the importance of relationship. And if a boy is struggling in the classroom and a teacher really takes added time to give that boy the benefit and to ask him what's going on before sending him to the principal or disciplining him and showing an interest, and Michael Reichert's done a lot of this work, that boy frequently will do a lot better and will engage Right. Mm -hmm. And we'll try harder in that class because they really feel like the teacher cares about me. Yes. And isn't just seeing me as a bad kid or a bad boy. It, well, and this is 
so exacerbated by some of these intersectional factors that you were mentioning before. I mean, this is your area of expertise. You know, you're quite aware of research showing that there are a lot of people who almost, it feels instinctively, it's probably really learned, you know, are more primed to view males as a threat than not. So parents and teachers sometimes we'll see a boy doing something and sort of assume it's bad rather than a you know expression of something going on in him and then you add in it's a black boy and mm-hmm. I mean a bigger black boy right exa- and then and then that factor yeah right and then there's this um assumption or tendency that has been proven in the research a lot of white people tend to judge black boys as bigger and older than they are and interact Mm -hmm. with them based on that so there's all kinds of implicit biases and stereotypes that affect how we interact with our boys and recognizing that is certainly important working to change that is difficult it is difficult and it is built into the social fabric and it's built into a social fabric that has a lot of racism and oppression and discrimination in its history. And so boys as a group experience implicit biases against them. And in my experience and you know what I've come to learn and understand from talking with boys, a lot of that I believe comes from messages that they get about how they should be as guys. And what society tells them is appropriate versus not appropriate behavior that can be a setup for exacerbating these issues and making them worse than they they need to be. And then, of course, black boys and boys of color and other marginalized backgrounds have even more implicit biases and explicit in plenty of parts of the country stacked against them. It seems like core to all of this is we need to care about our boys. We socially, societally, we need to care about our boys and their outcomes. And that's such a basic premise. And yet it hasn't been universally accepted due to all these stereotypes in our culture. Given that that's kind of where we're coming from. I mean, I imagine it was not easy to start this this task force and to get people on board and, and to devote resources to this. Can you address that or is that something you <laughs> can't talk about. No, no, I I can easily address that. It was easy because the task force came out of, you know, Division 51, right, that's focused on the psychology of, of boys and men and masculinities. And so this is a group of clinical psychologists and therapists and academics, like who are deeply committed to this work. Um, and really much this philosophy and are oriented that boys need more support, and mm-hmm. that we can do a better job as a society with how we teach boys about gender um, and with what gets reinforced. And so that was easy. The work really, to be honest, is not funded. It's coming from academics who are kind of across different disciplines, from sociology to psychology to other areas who do research in this areas and really want to take the step of like, we need to get the word out there beyond the ivory tower and beyond our journal articles and really kind of get this, these messages into the school, which is what, you know, these fact sheets are all about that we've developed both awareness building and then interventions are also an important part of the fact sheet for what educators can do. You know, I love these fact sheets. So we'll, we'll, you know, let listeners know where they can find them and give us some interventions just couple that parents and educators can take up right now. Yeah. 
We'll be back with some solutions after these quick messages from our sponsors. As, as a starting point. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And By Heart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on By Heart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. By Heart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet, but a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. And you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts. E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. As a society, and this can come directly from parents who who also vote for the politicians, right? When you get enough parents yep. together, they can have an incredibly loud, important voice and influence school boards. School boards. That's where exactly. it's exactly like simply put, we can communicate and convey to boys that school is important to you. And school is something that we value. And part of being a boy and part of being a kid is taking school seriously. And sports is great and we value that as well. And we value theater and we value the arts and we value all of those things for boys and all kids. But boys are not getting the message clearly that school matters for them and that school is a place for them and that performing in school is something that can be aligned with masculinity. Mm-hmm. I got to push back on this a little bit. Like, I agree with the message, but as a parent, it's a really hard message for me to deliver when 
so many boys go to schools that don't appear to care about them or what they want to do in their future. So telling me I should care about this place that doesn't care about me is a really tough sell, especially if I'm a little boy who has gotten kicked out of my classroom, you know, for the third time this week. It doesn't feel like a safe place. I think the alternative makes me feel more nervous and more concerned. So I agree, Jen, with everything that you're saying. And yet school is a place that boys have to be. Mm -hmm. And from the time they're five and six years old through 18, they're expected to be there five days a week. And so this is an environment that they have to be in. And so, yes, we need parents to help kind of push back against masculine norms and gender teachings that sports is the number one thing for boys, right? And that message is out there and let boys know that school really matters. These are some some hurdles and some added stressors that you might face in school. And I'm also talking to your teachers about this stuff. And I'm mm-hmm. I'm advocating because schools and teachers need to do their side of it too and make sure that you feel welcome, mm-hmm. right? And so it's not just parents, right? But But teachers need to kind of provide this message, but also this experience that you matter and you are welcome here mm-hmm. and we value you. I feel like I should tell you full disclosure. Our listeners know this and you don't. I took my boys out of school for seven and a half years. And I know that is not an option for everybody. I understand that. That influences me. I also have this tendency to be idealistic, ask other people. And I think I just, I was, I was a good kid. You know, I was the stereotypical good girl and I did all the school stuff and I did it very well. And I just feel like the system is so broken that we need so much work done on that end Mm -hmm. that yes, I can work with my boys and I need to work with my boys, but I need to see some serious change happening within education. And I realize, I mean, Chris, you don't have any more power to change the whole world than I do. So I strongly appreciate your efforts and um, I, I understand your message. We do need the adults to let our children know education matters. Education matters. You can't rest your hope for your life on sports, on being an Instagram or TikTok influencer, on music. Those things, yes, pursue sports, pursue music, pursue creation, but you need an education. Yeah, you need an education. And I think, you know, the message of education and academics matter, right? And and is part of our teachings for for boys right? And what's expected of them and what we value can stand alongside and schools need to do a much better job of making boys feel welcome um, and and of giving that message to boys as well. And also even for the boys who are sports heavy and sports centric, right? You can look at somebody like a LeBron James, who is an exemplary athlete, but is also a business person and is starting school, right? And all of those skills come from what you learn in academics, as well as street smarts and other things. Certainly, certainly. I just uh, used LeBron as an example yesterday as well. I mean, I'm not sure if you've heard, but LeBron, who we can all agree knows a thing or two about sports and excellence, LeBron is calling out youth sports culture and saying what they are asking these kids to do in terms of tournaments and playing time is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. So LeBron James, sports superstar, is saying... Come on, the priorities are a little little out of whack here. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when most, most kids will not be professional athletes. They will need to earn their livelihoods in <laughs> other ways. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this began in 2020, this task force, and we're here in 2023. Where yeah. are we at? So we're at the point of really just trying to release a few fact sheets every year. Um, And so at this point, we've released fact sheets on boys' misbehavior, right, with kind of the miss in parentheses, because misbehavior is complicated, right, and lots of assumptions get made about Mm -hmm. bad boys and misbehavior. And so we have one, but on the added discipline that boys experience and boys of color to the greatest degrees and really identifying the issue of implicit bias, you know, disproportionate rates of discipline, but also disproportionate rates of discipline for the same stuff, right? That girls and kids of other genders are doing, you know, Mm -hmm. has been established. We've got another fact sheet focused on learning disabilities. um, Mm -hmm. And that's an established issue that boys experience, right? Mm -hmm. And, And that, you know, does have some biological basis to it. And what educators can do to support boys more with that specific issue. And then we had our most recent fact sheet came out on high achieving boys and under, because ah. many boys, right? Many boys struggle, but we also lose sight of the fact that many boys are also doing well in the classroom. And so maybe we can actually learn some things from the boys who are high achieving, right? That can support other boys mm-hmm. getting to a higher level of academic performance. So those yes. are the ones we have in place right now. And we'll soon have Others coming out on on boys in single sex education settings, and then another on boys in distance learning and ways to really support boys, you know, who are experiencing that medium, which was obviously most prominent during the COVID (laughs) period, which (laughs) still kind of in a little bit, but has actually carried forth more for more kids are doing online learning now. Can we talk a little bit about the boys' misbehavior? I put air quotes around that for those that, that couldn't see. For a lot of families, frankly, we get more phone calls and emails about what our boys are doing wrong in school than what they're doing right. Janet, I know you have heard when you were a teacher and now that you work with families, there are boys who come home and say, the girls do the same thing, but they never get in trouble. Mm -hmm. And so given that this is an issue, it's a documented issue. What would you tell parents who are in the middle of dealing with this? And certainly we understand teachers, they're stressed. They don't have the resources they need. I want to help address this issue, but I don't want my kid, I'm going to say unfairly disciplined. So what, what can, what needs to get done? Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, I think in addition to boys really feeling like, yes, school is a place for me. This is a place where I'm valued. My teacher cares about me, right? Just from that message alone, you get more, right, intrinsic investment in this Mm -hmm. thing versus if you're getting the message that this isn't the place for me, society doesn't care as much about this for my masculine status, right? I'm not going to try as hard. I'm not going to be as committed. Mm-hmm. And parent uh, teachers need to get supported so that they have reasonable ratios of teachers to students in their classrooms. Mm-hmm. And so that when we talk about the importance in particular of relational approaches with boys and taking the added time to check in and not to default to the principal or punishment right away, but asking questions, showing interest, letting a boy know that you care about him, that they have the time and the resources to do that. Because I think so many teachers are overstressed, 
underpaid and that needs to be changed. And there's the dynamic. I was just on a call with a client yesterday who actually lives in Namibia. So this is a global issue. Is she seeing what's happening for her son and she wants to advocate for him? But there's the parent to teacher dynamic of, I don't want to go in there and be that parent who's always calling things out. When I was teaching, that dynamic is so hard because yes, parents advocate for their boys. And here's the teacher who, as you said, Chris, is stressed and overtaxed and all the things and can feel very much attacked by the parent. So strengthening that relationship. Every school Mm -hmm. needs to work on strengthening that relationship, allowing parents to have a voice without feeling like it's an attack and supporting teachers to have those conversations. I mean, we're all about the kids, right? Parents and teachers, but Mm -hmm. it sets up this dynamic that is is stress-filled and can go south really fast. Yeah. And and it's, you know, it is, we're all about the kids and it's, it's just, it's so sad when teachers start to get burned out because they're not being given the support and the resources that they need. And I think those resources need to include trainings uh, in addition to our fact sheets, which we're getting out there so that teachers on an annual basis are reminded of these issues and reminded of to no fault of their own, Right. And we can really blame society for this, but there are these implicit biases Mm -hmm. and that lead to differential treatment uh, of some kids more so than others. Right. And we want this to be very much on your radar. We want it to be reminded of it every year. And here are things that that we can do to make sure that this isn't happening in our school. As Mother's Day is coming around, I find I'm missing my mom more and more. And there's always questions and stories I wish I had asked her when she was still here. I do remember that I gave her a book once upon a time with questions for her to write the answers to. And bless her heart, she didn't answer very many. So that was really a disappointment. But fast forward to now and technology. And now we have mylifeinabook.com. It takes all those questions and stories and it puts it in a format that is sent to your person, whoever you designate, on a regular basis so that the prompts come, they're easily answered either written or voice to text, and they're captured by mylifeinabook.com. These family stories, this legacy that you want to leave for your children and your grandchildren. MyLifeInABook.com, create an unforgettable gift for your mom, your dad, your children this Mother's Day. Use our coupon code ONBOYS for 10% off. Go to MyLifeInABook.com and use ONBOYS for 10% off. Create that legacy. Carry on those stories. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. 
I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot Easy Melts. E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. So your task force, you're working on, you know, gathering the research, analyzing the research, putting together these fact sheets, making recommendations. What is the process once you've created a fact sheet? You know, I don't believe that you have the power to make anything, you know, binding on anybody. What do you hope is the process of change? You talked about getting this out to schools. So can you explain that part a little bit? When I was in my previous academic position, um, I was fortunate to have a graduate assistant. And that graduate assistant was sourced with going through school websites and seeing where there were directories of teachers and principals and where email addresses were avail available for educators all the way in Alabama to California to Massachusetts to Florida, et cetera, right? And sourcing those names and creating a database from that. Now, of course, right, it's it's an opt-out database. So if somebody's email has been grabbed and they don't want to get the, the fact sheet, then they can opt out of it. But we started with that. And so we were able to develop a database that right now has about 15,000 names in it. We are developing some social media right now. We have our website, Division 51 has social media. What social media accounts should listeners follow if they want to watch for this stuff? Because something that we all can do is we can help amplify and share these messages. You send it out to 15,000 people. And, you know, if I follow you, I can send it out to not 15,000, but, you know, the couple, the couple thousand people that I know. Yeah, so they're going to be right now available through Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And these literally are in the process of getting launched. And so maybe I can share those handles with you all. That would be excellent. Include when this gets posted. We certainly mm -hmm. will. Yeah. What else can, you know, parents, grandparents, anybody listening, people who care about boys, what can we be doing now and in the future to advance awareness of this issue? And help boys in school. You mentioned emphasizing to boys that, yes, school and education matters. Awareness mm -hmm. is still such a big piece of this. So many things start in the home environment, right? And so just being a home environment where the parent or the parents or the caregiver or the caregivers show that interest and model that interest. And our parents and caregivers and grandparents and whomever else, right, who shows love for your boy, but also demonstrates an interest in their development mm -hmm. and their academic development and their ethical development and their their identities and what they care about and showing interest in all of those things. 
I want to interject here because as you're saying that, I'm thinking it's typically the mom, as Jen said, like, you know, we had a great school experience. So we are typically the ones who are, yeah, school is great. I think our boys really need to, to hear this from dad, from grandpa, from uncle. And yet those are the people who've had a totally crap school experience. I laughed when you said that because my boys will never hear this from my father who to this day talks about book learning being a waste of time. Now he was also born in 1936 and the only one in his family to even graduate high school. So I get it. It's, it's cultural as it is for so many families. You're right. That's a huge challenge. Mm -hmm. So the possibility is we can break the pattern right here. And it may be that mom needs to have a little conversation with dad or with grandpa and say, you know, this is important. And dad and grandpa's words are way more influential than mom, who they hear all the time, broad generalization. But to communicate that to dad, to grandpa, to uncle, that this is important and he needs to hear it from you. He needs to hear it from the men. Yeah. And and so, yeah, I mean, thinking about breaking the cycle, right, there need to be ways of getting these important messages to the grandpas or to whomever else, the fathers whom are undermining the importance of education, not modeling it, saying things like book smarts are a waste of time and being part uh, of the change. And I think that also just comes from society needing to continue to move in a direction where kids don't just get uh, parented by one parent. Now, of Mm -hmm. course, there are one caregiver, one parent families, and those parents do incredible jobs, but there are also lots of families with two parents or two caregivers, and kids need to be parented equally by everyone and need to get unified messages from both parents about what's important and And what matters. And even single parent families, your, your son, your daughter, your children, they need to hear the voices of other people other than you. The more caring adults... Yes, in 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 your children's mm-hmm. lives, men, women, aunts, uncles, people in the community, those voices are really important to your children's development. Another thing I want to just highlight quickly is that school is not just about math or English or learning Spanish or whatever else, science, right? Schools have the potential to do incredible important work with social emotional learning. Mm -hmm. And that buzzword is starting to get mentioned more. Mm -hmm. And an area of social emotional learning that boys are deprived of from an early age, but they're certainly not born this way. And we have evidence of that is in their ability to express themselves emotionally and to express emotions in addition to anger, in addition to frustration, in addition to annoyance right? Sadness, fear, loneliness, all of those vulnerable emotions are part of every boy's internal world. But when boys get messages about man up, suck it up, big boys don't cry. And they do. And there's actually been research that shown that when boys are kind of in their kind of youngest period of life, they they protest and they cry more than baby girls. They're more emotionally expressive and needy, right? So why do we socialize that important human experience and way of just communicating and and self-expressing out of them? And, And schools can help them get it back. And parents, educators, adults listening, we can also help them get it back by listening to and attending to and recognizing their distress 
And yes, sometimes in our boys that will come across as anger because Chris, you said it, you know, they're, they're coming up in a society that often that's kind of the one emotion that you can have. Do your best if you can to try and look, look under that. There may well be more going on underneath. Mm-hmm. And take yeah. the time, take the time because for boys, it may take longer to connect and we have to help them connect to their feelings, but it takes longer to express it typically than girls. So mm-hmm. it will take time. It will take time for that busy parent to um, sit with that boy or walk with that boy, even Thank better that. possible with that boy and be with him while he's processing and help him talk about it. I was just going to make note of quickly, like, cause I know a lot of parents are listening and hopefully some dads and also giving credit for the dads that are doing a good job with this. Right. Yeah. And that are yeah. modeling vulnerable emotions, because I think more and more dads are starting to do that yes. and recognizing that this was taken away from me and I don't want it taken away from my son. Yeah. I'm going to put that in capitals. That's just, yeah, <laughs> that is so important. I want to veer a little bit because you have authored the masculinity workbook for teens. And I want you to tell us about that. It's I've kind of scanned through it. It looks amazing. And how do we get it into the hands of our teens? Yeah. You buy it for them. Leave Um, it in the bathroom with a pen attached. That's my tip for everything, Chris. You buy the book, (laughs) you leave it laying around. Yeah. It's as Michael Thompson, who wrote the forward said, this is something that boys are likely not going to pick up on their own. But caring, committed parents can pick it up for them because this was a workbook that I wrote for boys to be able to do this gender awareness building on their own and to be given the invitation of you are going to get all these messages about manhood and society's going to tell you this and that about how you should be, toughness, player, etc. But you are the one who gets to decide who you are, right, and how you are. And so the book really is. Uh, the goal of it and what it focuses on is educating boys on how gender and the guy code works and what the messages are, what the teachings are going to be in there, right? There are also quotes in there from boys from the research that I've done. And then there's experiential work and exercises that boys can do to really flesh it out and figure it out for themselves, right? Who am I and how do I want to be? Does this Mm -hmm. guy code teaching work or does it not, right? And if it doesn't work, what does work for me? The beauty of this is it is something that a boy can do in private alone, which gives him the space to really think about what he wants and who he is. If you've watched your son at all with other boys, you know, like he's constantly looking to them for their approval. And that's normal. It's typical. Human connection matters. But to have the space and the freedom to really think through it for yourself, that is a beautiful gift that we can give to our boys. Yeah, and, and it's written so that they can use it individually. I have a little appendix thing on how fathers or other parents could also Love use it. this, right, as a joint kind of experiential thing to go through, right, as well as schools can have yeah. groups for mm-hmm. boys using this curriculum. And I think just giving a boy a book like this is an intervention in and of itself, right? Discover what being a guy means to you. Oh, like I'm allowed to do that. Like yeah. I'm allowed to decide how I want to be. Hmm. Great. <laughs> Is there um, a specific age range that you think it might be a good idea for a parent or grandparent to introduce this book? Middle, yeah. Middle school and high school. 
Okay. There will be references in there to some pretty intense language that gets used by boys when they're policing one another's masculinity, homophobic words, misogynistic words. But but we know and I know that boys start to hear that stuff in middle school and high mm-hmm. school and sometimes even earlier. And so yes. some boys, parents might raise an eyebrow like, wow, this is an intense word to have in a tool for middle schoolers. Middle schoolers are getting exposed to that oh, stuff. Absolutely. right? And so we need to be real about that. Chris, tell us where people can um, follow what the task force is doing and where they can find your book. Yeah. So the easiest way to find my book is just doing a quick Google search or going on Amazon Masculinity Workbook for Teens. It comes right up by Chris Rigeluth. Um, You can learn more about my work at www.chrisrigeluth.com. And then the task force's work, if you just do a quick Google search for task force on boys in school, it's through Division 51. We're hosted by Division 51. You'll see it right there and you'll see the task, uh, the fact sheets right there. You guys know I'm going to have links for you in the show notes. So if typing all those words out is too much, just go to On Boys Podcast. You can click on the live links I will have there for you. I want to thank you for joining us. And importantly, I want to thank everybody who is a part of the task force in doing this work. I am thrilled that it is happening. I do look forward to sharing, you know, the fact sheets and the, the tweets and the social media posts you share out because this is a problem. As you said, boys issues in school, it's been going on for decades. It's going to take a while to reverse and we all have a role to play. So let's work together. Let's turn things around for our boys in school because that will benefit all of us. Thank you, Chris. All right. Wonderful closing message. Thank you both. Thank you, Chris. Listeners, if you have found this episode valuable, please especially share it with your son's teacher, with your son's school. As Jen said, we need to get this information out far and wide on a global scale. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-host, Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. And I am Janet Allison of boysalive.com. Thanks for being here. Thanks for supporting our sponsors. Here in America, work is in trouble. We've offshored our manufacturing, sent away good jobs, and lost so much ability to make things. American Giant is a company that's pushing back against this tide. They make high-quality clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more right here in the USA. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, promo code STAPLE20.